Welcome to the latest edition of the Big Stuff Podcast. Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. And Elton, uh, we are uh, nearing the end of January here. And um, still, I wouldn't say a lot of separation uh, here in, in the conference standings. A bunch of four and three teams, a bunch of three and four teams. Uh, Michigan State stands alone at six and one. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, bounced back from the first uh, conference loss with a uh, with a big home win against Wisconsin. But really, uh, still a lot of parity in this league. Yeah, I think that's been the uh, story of the week so far. You've got a you know logjam of teams there, just sitting in second and third place, waiting to pounce. Um, I think what's really interesting is, you know, when we first started doing this podcast, you know, Ohio State and Michigan, you know, looked like it was, you know, they were going to be the powers of the league. You know, they were both in the top five. You look at it now, and they are, um, I believe, 11th and 12th, respectively, Michigan and Ohio State in the Big Ten standings. Michigan's at 2-4, and four, Ohio State's at 2-5. and five. Uh, just showing just how deep this league is. Um, you know, one of the surprises has been, uh, you know, obviously Rutgers, you know, checking it at 24, first time in the uh, in 41 years that the Scarlet Knights have cracked the top 25. But Rutgers and Illinois, you know, Illinois is at 21. They made their first appearance in the top 25 for the first time since the 2014 season. You know, they're sitting at second and third in the conference. You know, tied for second rather in the conference with five and two records. So, uh, you know, this league is deep as it's ever been, and I think these re- these records just reflect that fact. Yeah, I think there was thought coming into the season that Brad Underwood's team might be able to break out and have a good season at Illinois, and they have. Um, but obviously the huge surprise is Rutgers. And, um, you know, we're going to have our guest, uh, Aaron Brightman, uh, later on from On the Banks, the SB Nation site, to talk a little bit about the Scarlet Knights uh, this year. But uh, they're really getting it done on the defensive end of the floor, only giving up uh, 60.7 points per game, uh, which uh, leads the Big Ten. Um, so they're really uh, clamping down on guys. Excuse me, that's actually uh, second best. Uh, Maryland's at 60.1 points per game, but uh, Rutgers is really kind of doing it on the defensive end of the floor. They're 13-0 at home, uh, so uh, they're playing really well at the rack this year. And uh, just a really, like I said, you know, it's a really, really balanced team and a team that uh, – you know, is, uh, you know, uh, right now really exceeding expectations. Yeah, well, if you look at the last, um, you look at their schedule, you know, Rutgers has won eight of its last nine games. Uh, that lone loss coming at Illinois, a three-point loss, they lost 54 to 51. Uh, they, they've been on the tear. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think, I think I'd be lying if I said that I'd have Rutgers sitting at 14-4 and four overall, second in the Big Ten, 24th in the country uh, at the beginning of the season, but um, Steve Peichel has done an excellent job with just kind of getting this team ready to play, and, and they're showing in this week that, uh, you know, to be successful in this league this year, you've got to win at home and on the road. You mentioned they're 13-0 and um, 13 and 0 at home. You know, they've won the majority of their road games, which um, can't be said for a lot of the teams in the league this year, so uh, Rutgers has really, really um, been the story of the conference this season. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, certainly, you know, the question is, can you sustain it now? I think that's going to be the big thing now that they have the targets on their backs. You know, they're you're seven games in, and it's a 20-game conference season. So you, get, you still yeah. have 13 to go. There's a lot of basketball to be played. Certainly a team like, you know, Ohio State or Michigan, right now that's kind of slumping. We saw during the non-conference uh, schedule what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. And uh, they might be able to heat up as well. Uh, certainly a yeah. big week this week for Indiana, who did pick up their first road win uh, 
of the season, uh, beating Nebraska 82-74 to on uh, Saturday night. And, uh, you know, kind of an interesting side story to that. Uh, their plane had mechanical uh, problems on Friday, and there were some weather issues. They didn't fly in until the day of the game, the morning of the game, um, and uh, still managed to play one of their best games of the season, going on the road and uh, beating Nebraska. They built a 19-point lead, and they held on 82-74 to for the Hoosiers. Um, but, uh, you know, this week coming up, you've got number 11, Michigan State, followed by number 17, uh, Maryland. Both games at Assembly Hall, one on Thursday against Michigan State Thursday night, and then the Sunday afternoon game against Maryland. And this is, I think, a chance for Archie Miller's program and Indiana's uh, program to show, uh, you know, in year three that uh, they're back and that they're a team uh, capable of contending for a title. But, uh, you know, a huge week, I think, for the Hoosiers. And you get those two games at home where Indiana's been pretty good this year. They're 11-1. and Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at Indiana, and uh, it started off the season, I believe, on, what, an eight or nine win game before losing a 20-point contest to uh, Wisconsin. Mounts back to three consecutive wins uh, before dropping you know, back-to-back losses to Arkansas and Maryland, and um, you know they've gone three out of their last, one three of their last four. Um, Indiana, I, I don't think well, you know, I can't say consistency has been a problem. You look at the body of work so far, sitting at fourteen and four, um, they're trending upward. You know, you mentioned grabbing one of the grabbing a uh, road win at Nebraska was huge. Um, you know, they host Michigan State. Um, you know, on Tuesday they host Maryland on Sunday, so you know we'll see if that uh, that theory of these home teams, you know, holding firm, you know, in the Big Ten stands true. But if they can get wins against two top twenty-five programs, the number eleven Michigan State, number seven mid seventeen Maryland, I think that would be huge for that program. Yeah, you know, a huge week, and you know their front court uh, played very well in in the Nebraska game. Justin Smith, uh, Trace Jackson Davis. And uh, Tilly Brunk, all in double figures, uh, scoring. Uh, Trinidad Davis posted a sixth double-double of the season. And I think they really feed off him. When they get the ball to him in the post and when they get him touches, and when they get that whole front court touches, uh, they're a much better team. They made eight three-pointers in that game against Nebraska, which uh, is uh, up, you know, they're, they're, they were a big ten low, five three-pointers per game coming into the game. Um, so they made some perimeter shots, but they did that by working the ball inside out and that's what they have to do more of offensively to be successful they're playing a little better defensively now certainly a lot better than they did in november and december and that's helping as well that's helping them withstand kind of the scoring ruts that they go through during certain games but uh this will be a big week i think this will be a, a big test and uh you, you have to think if you can at least split these two games uh at home you, you get another quality win on your resume um you know you're looking pretty good uh, going into uh, February and March for a chance to kind of break that three-year snide and not going to the NCAA tournament. Well, you know, Illinois is definitely pre- has primed itself to make a run for it. You know, um, like you mentioned, getting contributions from uh, those double-figure scores. Uh, you know, I saw that they were 31 of 61 from the field, so they hit 50% of their shots while holding um, Nebraska to 39%. So defense was holding strong. Uh, you know, I think even one win in these next two game stretch would go a long way for their resume and their chances to, um, you know, get a boost in the um, for their prospects for March Madness. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, Penn State over the weekend at home they bounced back against Ohio State, picked up that win, kind of avenged that uh, December loss uh, in Columbus. <laughs> uh, uh, certainly, uh, you know, at thirteen and five, they're still in the mix. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. for a uh, NCAA tournament uh, spot. How, how are things going uh, down in Happy Valley in terms of the Nittany Lions? 
Well, you know, we spoke with Pat Chambers on Monday of last week. I was coming off of that Wisconsin loss in, in between the uh, trip to Minnesota. And he was very, very, you know, firm in saying that, hey, guys, I'm not going to panic. We're not going to panic. Uh, he gave the guys the, the day off on Sunday. He said a bit, a bit of a mental health day to just go in there and just hit the reset button. Um, you know, that three-game losing stretch that they went on, they lost at Rutgers, they lost to Wisconsin, and they lost to Minnesota. You know, they were not getting a lot of production from the bench. Myron Jones, who was, um, you know, who's done very well for him, hit a bit of a street, uh, shooting slump. Um, Miles Brett, another guy, had, um, you know, hadn't scored any points against Rutgers, Wisconsin, or Minnesota. Uh, they came out there on Saturday against Ohio State and really just went back to playing the type of ball that we saw them play early in the uh, season. Miles Bread broke his slump. Um, you know, he was two of two from the field, finished with 10 points. Lamar Stevens only played 22 minutes, but uh, he was still able to get 24 points in those 22 minutes. Uh, Myron Jones, 20 points contribution. Seth Lundy made his first start at point guard coming in there for Miles Bread. Uh, he had 12 points, was three of six on his three-point attempts, and just an all-around effort from um, the Nittany Lions, and a much-needed win for this team as it embarks on the next part of its schedule, uh, which starts tomorrow with a trip to Michigan. Uh, they return back to the Bryce Jordan Center on Wednesday, January 29th to play Indiana. So, uh, you know, that, that was a good way for them, for them to break back into the win column and to um, embark on this road trip here coming up tomorrow with the win. Yeah, well, you know, certainly, you know, with Penn State, I think it starts with Lamar Stevens as well, and uh, he's the guy that, uh, you know, uh, has that kind of star quality that, you know, certainly could ride him to a lot of conference wins. And uh, I think his play is going to be pretty critical uh, down the stretch here as we go into February and March and his leadership. And uh, if he can do that, you know, then maybe Penn State will, uh, you know, end up getting a bid, which would be yeah. uh, huge for uh, huge for the fans in Happy Valley there that, uh, you know, uh, it'll you know save them from uh, just having to think about spring football in March and April. <laughs> and that's one of the things Chambers was saying was, you know, he's confident Stevens can get it done. One thing that Stevens had um, battled recently was just a state of fouls. Um, you know, he's been kind of – you know, you can you can call it what you want. You know, uh, I, I guess folks in Pappy Valley would say they're unfair calls. Um, the refs are going to say they're doing their job. But, uh, you know, the, the last few games he's been called with a lot of fouls, so, which has forced him to uh, hit the bench earlier than expected. But, um, you know, Chambers was saying what he wanted to see was the full contributions from the rest of the team, guys stepping up so that when Lamar Stevens, you know, if he gets into that foul trouble, they can come in and really not to have that much of a drop-off. And he, he got that on Saturday. Yeah, and uh, no question that that's, uh, that's, that, that's going to be big. Him avoiding foul trouble. You know, you need a player of that quality on the court, no doubt. So let's move on to a couple of Jekyll and Hyde teams in the league, um, Maryland and Iowa, uh, you know, two teams that are still ranked in the top 25, still two teams with a lot of potential. They're both kind of sitting at 4-3 and three in the league. For Maryland, you know, 11-0 at home, 0-4 on the road. I think that's been the big issue. They have not played well uh, away from College Park. And in Iowa, a very good scoring team um, in, you know, Luke Garza and Joe Wieskamp, but uh, – really uh, not maybe necessarily playing a high-level caliber defense yet. What, what do you see in these two teams going forward? Well, I know one of the issues with Iowa was that in the early season, Iowa had been plagued a bit by the um, injury bug. They lost um, a couple of key, key contributors. You know, Garza is, you know, the last I checked um, last week, he was the Big Ten's leading scorer, but he could only do so much. But, um, you know, mounting early season injuries – 
and just, you know, falling victim on the road really plagued them. But Iowa's played well as of late. You know, they've won 3-0, and um, a contest against, you know, ranked Maryland and um, then ranked Michigan last week. They're coming off of those wins. And we'll see what Iowa's about this week. Uh, it starts tomorrow with the top 25 matchup at home against Rutgers. Yeah, yeah, and that's going to be a big one. That's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch an Iowa Rutgers game because you've got uh, two teams in the top 25 there. And, uh, you know, with Maryland, um, you, there were a lot of high expectations this year. Steve Kitchen, yeah. you have Cowan, you have Jalen Smith, and for some reason, you know, they certainly clamped down and they won at home. They beat Purdue in kind of an ugly game that was in the 50s. Uh, but they're only scoring 61 points per game in conference play, and you've got yeah. to figure that uh, – uh, offensively, they're they're going through some issues now. They've they've got to be a little more productive than that. I think going forward, uh, you know, to get back in and contend for a uh, Big Ten title. Yeah, they're going to have to get production out of you know someone other than Anthony Cowan Jr., who you know is the leader of this team. Um, you know, the point guard. He's averaging fifteen point six points per game and four point two rebounds per game. But outside of him, they're not really getting that contribution. And that was one of the things that had a lot of people high on Maryland this year. They returned a lot of the depth from last season, and people were saying that if it could kind of all just coalesce and come together, then Maryland was a team to watch out for. But, you know, halfway through the season, we're seeing that it's kind of the Anthony Cowan show. And this is a team that, at home, they've been as good as anybody. But, you know, unfortunately, you can't play all your games at the Xfinity Center in Maryland. So uh, they're going to have to go out there and get some road wins. Yeah, so what's the uh, – how, how is the Xfinity Center? I'm sure you're being a Maryland native. You've probably been there a few times. Uh, not, uh, how does it compare you know, to the uh, old barn that they used to play in uh, at Maryland? It's not the Coldfield House. Uh, the traditionalist in me would like to say that, um, you know, no other no other basketball arena was greater than the Coldfield House. But um, the Coldfield House is still used by the school as part of, like, the training facility. But the Xfinity Center is modern. It's nice. It's huge. It's a great facility. Yeah. Well, something you learn, you know, you're going to learn something new every day here on this podcast, and uh, that's one of them. But uh, you know, the big story <laughs> this the big story this week is Rutgers, uh, and uh, we have on a special guest, Aaron Brightman, who covers Rutgers for SB Nation on the banks. We will get to him coming up on the Big Stuff podcast. This is Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Alton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. <laughs> Welcome back to the Big Step Podcast. Kevin Broadway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. Coming up, our guest, he is a uh, Rutgers grad, the class of 2000, and he is a managing editor for SB Nation's Rutgers site, On the Banks. And uh, I've been on the beautiful banks of the Raritan River before, Aaron. Uh, at one time, uh, back in the day, I covered a, a Florida Rutgers game at the rack, and Eli Carter went off at 31 points and they beat the Gators in overtime. Um, so it was, uh, it was certainly, uh, interesting then. And, uh, uh, but now these are pretty happy days here in, uh, Piscataway, New Jersey with Rutgers being ranked for the first time in 41 years. So Aaron Brightman, pleasure to have you on the show. Well, that's a great story to start. So, uh, it's a, it's a, one of the few fun memories we have of the last couple of decades of Rutgers basketball was that game. So, uh, that's uh funny you were there for that, but yeah, it's been a, uh, Amazing season so far. Definitely uh, have exceeded expectations in Steve Peichel's fourth season. Um, the hope going in was that he would break the 14-year drought of, of having a winning season. And uh, the postseason, you know, NIT was really the goal. 
Um, but here we are, mid-January, uh, nationally ranked for the first time in 41 years, and and as of now, uh, firmly projected to make the NCAA tournament. So it's uh, it's been a heck of a season so far, and uh, obviously it's going to be a long road ahead. But uh, it's pretty amazing where they're at right now. Yeah, no question, Aaron. And you know, I have a good friend of mine who's a Rutgers fan. I've alluded to him on my football podcast before, Cliff Olson. He's kind of down in the dumps, uh, you know, with the way things were going football wise. He came over visit me for the Indiana game. You know, they obviously lost that game 35 nothing. but he's on cloud nine now because not only do you bring in Greg Siano for football, but this team being ranked for the first time in 41 years. Give me an idea of the vibe, what it's like around campus at games. Uh, how has maybe the community and the state kind of uh, embraced this team? It's, uh, I mean, there's there's certainly a, a palpable energy, a buzz. Um, the fact that they announced today that the Nebraska game on Saturday is already sold out. That will be the fourth consecutive sellout. Uh, that hasn't happened in several decades. Um, it's just, you know, pe- people are, are uh, dying of thirst, uh, Rutgers fans, for any amount of success. Uh, obviously, wrestling has had some success and uh, has a strong future ahead. Um, but with football being as bad as they were, and, you know, I mean, Rutgers basketball, 2016, March, when Peichel, uh was hired, you know, they finished 279th in Kempom. They won seven games. I mean, this was not just the worst uh, Power Five, high major college basketball team uh, that season. They were the worst probably of the last decade, arguably. Uh, so for them to come as far as they have so quickly under Peichel, uh, who had a clear vision, had had true experience rebuilding the program when he was at Stony Brook, to see it all to come together the way it has this year, we started to see, you know, signs each year. And last year, definitely, we started to see things start to happen Seven big uh, Big Ten wins was, uh, you know, the most by far. But here, uh, this season with this team, a core group of sophomores, they're, they're, you know, you can see that it's starting to to, to click. Uh, it's such a uh, selfless team, fun team to watch. Uh, it's just, you know, people are in cloud nine. Yeah, and they're getting it done defensively. I mean, fifty-eight point seven points per game. That leads the Big Ten when you include all the game. They're second in conference game, sixty point seven uh, points per game allowed. So, I mean, this is certainly a unit that's getting it done on the defensive end of the floor, and I'm curious uh, the process for Steve Peichel to get the players to buy in defensively. Uh, how much of it do you see his effort, or how much is he even recruited to that in terms of maybe uh, some of the length, the size of some of these players that he has uh, on the team? No, he's absolutely followed a blueprint uh, for, for what he envisioned. Uh, you know, since day one, uh, rebounding and defense has been the core part of the culture on the court. And what he's steadily done is just improve talent year over year. Uh, you know, he, he's he's very upfront in the recruiting process. He goes after guys. He really, uh, I know it's a little bit cliche, but he really doesn't buy into the star ratings as much. You know, he finds his guys, the guys that, that fit his program and what he's looking to do. And he's found a lot of hard-nosed guys that were overlooked uh, and, and that have a chip on their shoulder and that play well as a team. Um, you know, seven different players have led them in scoring this season, which is really phenomenal. There really isn't one true star, uh, and they, they just play so well together on both ends of the floor. They're unselfish on offense. Uh, they're, they're really connected on defense, and uh, it's, it's been amazing to see the fact that, you know, their defense has always been good under Peichel, uh, but just with the improved talent, now it's elite. And the offense has always been bad under Peichel. And now they're, you know, definitely better than average. I wouldn't say they're even, uh, they're nowhere near a great offense. But I think you're seeing with elite defense, 
uh, elite rebounding and, you know, serviceable offense, two point range. They're shooting 52%. They're, I think, top 50. So that's been really good. They still struggle from three point range and free throw, range, uh, free throw, uh, shooting. But, uh, it, it's, it's, it, if you think about it, it's even more encouraging because once he continues to add more and more talent in two years, I mean, this team could be, you know, they really could be near the top of the Big Ten. So, I mean, they're already there right now, but I think he's building a uh, program to last, uh, and that's going to be up near the top for a very long time. Hey, this is Elton Hayes. I cover uh, Penn State for CNHI. Um, Pat Chambers last week, during that um, three-game losing streak that Penn State had kind of went on after being ranked in the top 25, mentioned, um, you know, it being fairly new territory for the Nittany Lions and dealing with those challenges and, and, you know, I guess issues of having that bullseye on your back. With Rutgers, you know, cracking the top 25 for the first time in 41 seasons, how do you think Coach Peichel will address and combat those new challenges of now being the team, you know, playing as a top 25, um, you know, program opposed to just, you know, being the, uh, the, the prey? Well, I was a great question. I was on a call with him again today, and he, he said it every week. Uh, he reminds uh, the media, he reminds his players, they were picked 12th in the league, and it was actually the first time they've ever not been picked last. But he just keeps harping on being picked 12th in the league, and that's where we're picked. And I think he has done a really, really good job of keeping them focused uh, in terms of the task at hand. And, and I, I, you know, he hasn't said it publicly, but I'm sure he's saying, you know, you guys haven't accomplished anything yet. You know, you're, you're, you're on the right path, but you're not there yet. And I think that he, I, I really feel like he's done an amazing job keeping them focused. And, you know, this week actually going to Iowa is actually, I think, a blessing because Iowa's ranked uh, higher than them. And mm-hmm. Rutgers won at Iowa last season. So they have all the confidence in the world going in. But Pike even said on the call today, you know, we're not even the highest ranked team on the floor tomorrow. So I think, you know, he, he's, he's really a master at just finding ways to motivate this team. Uh, and he's going to keep chipping away at that. And I think, you know, the calling card has really been we were picked 12th to finish in the league. And mm-hmm. I don't think he cares what they're ranked. Uh, he's just going to keep harping on that, that you haven't accomplished anything yet. Aaron, Pitt State snapped its uh, three-game losing streak on Saturday with a win against, um, you know, then-ranked top 25 Ohio State. That losing streak, uh, funny enough, began at Rutgers with a, a 12-point loss. Um, at 13-5 and five this season, Penn State is perhaps the defense that's been under nine-year head coach Pat Chambers. In your opinion, you know, in your time covering the Rutgers and, um, I guess, more specifically the Big Ten, how does this year's Nittany Lions team stack up against others you've seen, mainly in terms of the bench and the depth that it has? I think that Penn State is a really good team. I've been high on Pat Chambers for a while. You know, I even uh, was kind of looking more into to his process there, you know, his ninth season now, I believe, just it, looking at some similarities to what he's done there compared to what Peichel is trying to do. Um, and I think they're a really tough team, I think, defensively. Um, and I think at home, too, they're, they're proving to be really tough at home, even though, no disrespect, you know, uh, hasn't been the toughest home court in the conference for a while. But I think that <laughs> they're, um, they're, they're certainly very difficult to be uh, at home. And I think even on the road, I mean, travels, uh, you know, with Watkins inside, I think uh, he, he's a fascinating player. I think he's so talented. Obviously, he's a little bit inconsistent, but I think mm-hmm. their perimeter depth, uh, you know, they have a lot of good guards that can shoot. I think uh, they're certainly a top half of the conference team. I'd be shocked if they didn't finish in the top seven or eight and, and went to the uh, NCAA tournament this season. Speaking of the NCAA tournament, um, 
Do you think the Big Ten champion gives the conference its best to win the national tournament, or do you think the league has enough enough depth that is um you know that it I guess it's up for anyone to grab. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Michigan State certainly, I think, has the most talent. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if they can stay healthy. They've already had, you know, some struggles this year. Um, but I think they're starting to figure it out. I think that the Purdue game was, was really uh, kind of a head-scratcher how bad they, they lost <laughs> at Purdue. But um, I think they certainly have the talent to win a national championship. You know, to be honest, I, I'm not quite sure if, if another team in the Big Ten does. I mean, I think Maryland probably does. But, um mm-hmm. You know, they're so inconsistent, and uh, I don't know if they're going to put it together or not. But um, I think otherwise, I think, you know, I think the Big Ten's the type of conference this year that, that could have maybe, you know, I could see four or five teams going to the Sweet 16, but I don't know how many maybe are, are good enough to go to the Final Four. So I think it's a, a pretty uh, deep conference, but um, in terms of national championship caliber, I would probably put, you know, if I had to bet, I'd say Michigan State's probably the only hope to do that. Yeah, you know, there's always that thought of beating each other up during the season and, uh, you know, not being able to get to the finish line. Sometimes you have that in conferences that are deep and strong like that. Um, Aaron, I, I want to finish up uh, talking a little bit about Geo Baker because, uh, uh, you know, in watching the Indiana game, his return I thought was, uh, you know, made an impact. Even though he didn't score a lot, it seemed like this team kind of fed off his energy. Uh, what does he mean going forward, staying healthy, and uh, him and uh, – Certainly him and Ron Harper Jr., them kind of coexisting and playing off each other. How do you see that developing as the season goes on, too? Yeah, definitely. Excellent point. I mean, Baker is the unquestioned leader of the team. Um, it's really amazing. It just shows the progress they've made, though, uh, in terms of them going 2-1 and one in conference play without him. Uh, when he broke his thumb, uh, I, and I think it, in a way it was a blessing because you saw players like Jacob Young, Paul Mulcahy, Caleb McConnell, they, they had more of a, a, a role, uh, and they really stepped up, and they really have, since his return the last two games, it really hasn't changed. They've, they've still kind of had the same roles. Um, I think Gio is battling back. I don't think, you know, he's, uh, he's shooting-wise, he certainly hasn't looked himself. But like you said, I, I thought in the Indiana game at the end of the first half, he had two huge steals that led to transition baskets that really kind of changed the tenor of that game. Um, you know, he, he didn't have a basket the entire game against Minnesota. He comes in, uh, uh, he gets subbed in with a second on the shot clock, and he hits a three in the corner uh, to basically seal the victory. So he's just that type of guy that he, he always makes the, the clutch play when they need it most. Um, you know, Ron Harper Jr. is the guy that I've said I really think if if there is going to be a star on the team, he needs to emerge as that star. I think he's the best chance to be an All-Big Ten player eventually, maybe not this season, but next season. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, for sure Baker's got to stay healthy. Um, I think he just has a calmness about him and, and that the team is, you know, as much as they're bought into Peichel, I really think that uh, I haven't seen a, a captain and a player uh, having the rest of the team as as plugged into him uh, and wanting to, to uh, please him. It's really amazing um, and just how, uh, how important he is to this program. Okay, uh, Aaron, it's, it's been 1991 since Rutgers was last in the tournament, and I'm going to date myself here. That was uh, my sophomore year in college. Uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, I had the uh, vanilla ice haircut down at the, the University of Miami with a little cubic zirconium in the ear and everything. Um, <laughs> So I want to know, uh, is this the year the drought ends, Aaron? Is this going to be the first time since 1991 that Rutgers is going to make the dance? 
I, you know, I, I, I do. I think it is. Um, I, I have been kind of cautioning uh, people. I think the last seventy games of the of the regular season is a, a pretty difficult stretch for Rutgers. Um, but I think their biggest asset right now is is playing at home. And if they can hold serve at the rack, they're undefeated there. If they, if they can do that, I mean, their toughest home games remaining on paper are Michigan and Maryland. Um, you know, which won't be easy by any stretch, but, um, you know, not uh, un- unthinkable for them to win in that environment. I mean, every game is going to be sold out the rest of the way. They're just a different team at the rack. Um, and, you know, if they, so looking at it, I mean, if they go 10 and 10 in the conference, uh, 19 wins total, I think, you know, not every season that would put them in, but I think this season, the way the, the all of college basketball is, how down uh, the ACC is, uh, you know, obviously 20 wins, I think, would, would, would clinch it. And I, I think they're right there. I think they could win 11 regular season games. And, of course, that's not even counting the Big Ten tournament. So I, I just don't think this team it's in this team's DNA to fold. Um, I'm sure they'll have uh, a tough stretch uh, somewhat like Penn State has had. Um, but I think they'll bounce back. And I think uh, playing at home, like I said, I think is, is such a, a huge advantage for this team that I, I just don't see them fading. And I, I think – this is finally the year. 29 years later, they, they go dancing in March. All right. Well, there you have it. Aaron Brightman from SB Nation on the banks. Uh, be sure to uh, t- tell us where we can find your work. Uh, yeah, onthebanks.com is our, our site. Uh, our, on Twitter, we're OTB underscore SB Nation. Um, and my Twitter handle is uh, Aaron underscore Brightman. Um, but, yeah, onthebanks.com. And uh, uh, appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh Looking forward to a great rest of the Big Ten season. We'll keep in touch, Aaron. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Aaron Brightman from On the Banks. And for the Big Stuff Podcast, this is Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania signing off. (laughs) 